This, this, this is you. KUT. KUT, Austin. Stop. This is KUT. I'm Jennifer Staten. As per the Texas Constitution, judges in Texas who have been elected or re-elected officially take office January 1st. This past November saw quite a political shift in judges elected to the 14 Court of Appeals districts in Texas. Those are the courts that hear appeals from district courts. Four state appeals courts in Houston, Dallas, and Austin changed from Republican control to Democratic control in the election. Remember, judges are elected in Texas. 19 incumbent Republican appellate judges lost. This all means that Democrats now hold majorities on half of the state's 14 appeals courts. Former Texas Supreme Court Chief Justice Wallace Jefferson, a Republican who was appointed in 2001, elected in 2002, and named Chief Justice in 2004, told me recently his concerns about this shift actually aren't political. We started, though, with a primer about the Texas courts and why judges are elected in Texas. Texas has elected judges for more than 100 years, and the theory behind electing judges is um, the voters want to be able to hold uh, accountable those who have uh, enormous power over their lives. Um, Judges uh, sign death warrants. Uh, They uh, decide parental termination. Uh, they, They... uh, decide a uh, lot of money, um, uh, changing hands, uh, sovereign immunity. I mean, uh, so they have incredible power. And the theory is, uh, to those who have incredible power, they, they, there should be an accountability system. So if judges are not performing well, the voters ought to be able to decide they shouldn't be elected or re-elected. So that's the theory. Do you think in practice it works well in Texas? How do you think it works? So it doesn't work at all in practice. Um, uh, And I'll give an example. Harris County uh, in Houston. Um, If you walk into the ballot booth in Harris County, you're going to be electing 50, 60, 70 judges at at a time. Uh, And there is no way for uh, a voter to understand whether a particular judge of those 60 or 70 Uh, has been doing a good job or not. Uh, And so what happens is voters either um, elect those judges by voting straight ticket. Uh, That's uh, that's going to be eliminated for judges in the next election. But they voted straight ticket, and so they would uh, elect all Republicans or all Democrats, depending on their political affiliation. Or they would vote based on the sound of the judge's name. Uh, You know, if it's a popular-sounding name, uh, they go for that. Uh, Or they vote based on you know, what they've heard about the judge in uh, radio commercials or TV ads, uh, that's all marketing. And, and none of that is designed to really inform the voters about the merit of that judge. Uh, and that's the difficulty that we face. So what would an alternative system be? I mean, let's take an example like Harris County, where you've got you've got to fill 50 or 60 or 70 judgeships. If we're not electing judges, how would all of those judgeships be filled? You know, if, if you could set up a new system for Texas, what would we do that might work better? I think I would set up a system where a commission would evaluate um, a potential judicial candidate's qualifications. Um, so, for example... Uh, if you're running for a district court or if you want to be appointed to a district court, have you tried cases? Um, have you been in that court before? What What's your experience level? Uh, what's your educational background? What do your peers think of you? What do judges uh, think about your performance in their courts? So a commission would evaluate candidates for office 
and then give a list to the governor for appointment. Uh, and the governor would have to choose from that list. And it would be uh, a nonpartisan uh, uh, selection. And then the judge who is appointed would serve for a term and then be subject to an up or down vote by the electorate. Uh, and that's it's called a retention system. So there's still um, accountability in that sense. Uh, but the the initial appointment is based on merit and not on, as I said, party affiliation or the particular name that you are running under or uh, how much money you've been able to raise. So we're talking about electing judges in Texas, and I wonder if we can take just a moment to have you describe our court system in Texas. You know, we hear about the Supreme Court. We hear about Court of Criminal Appeals, 14 Courts of Appeals. Can you just briefly describe for us the setup and how the system actually works? Well, sure. There are more than 3,000 judges in Texas, and um, I'm, I'll talk about uh, sort of the core um, judicial um, branch. Uh, there are county courted law judges. Those are elected. All these judges are elected, uh, and there are jurisdictional limits on, on, on uh, what sort of cases they decide, and these courts will decide both uh, civil and criminal cases. So you have county courted law. You have district courts. Those are trial-level courts. So a typical case would be you you go to the court and there's a jury of 12 peers, the case is tried, and then the trial court signs a judgment based on the jury's findings. Uh, Then uh, the losing party wants to appeal, uh, take an appeal to a court of appeals. There are 14 court of appeals districts in Texas, uh, and they are uh, in regions. So for example, we're here in Austin, Texas. Uh, It's the third court of appeals district. I think there are uh, uh, approximately 26, 27 counties that comprise the third court of appeals district. If you're in Dallas, that's the fifth court of appeals district. If you're in Houston, there are two. It's such a large uh, area that it serves uh, two uh, districts, the first court of appeals and the 14. So there are 14 court of appeals districts. There are 80 justices that uh, that serve on those uh, districts. So an appeal from the trial court level would go to one of those uh, courts of appeals. Those judges sit in three justice panels. Uh, They hear arguments. They they don't take testimony. There are no witnesses. It's all um, uh, presented in briefs and oral argument. And then those judges will write an opinion that affirms or reverses or modifies the trial court's judgment. Once that is done, there's going to be a winner and a loser again. The loser might take an appeal to the Supreme Court of Texas if it's a civil case or the Court of Criminal Appeals if it is a criminal case. Those courts have what's called discretionary review. So uh, when I was on the Supreme Court of Texas, I would get um, you know, 1,000, 1,100 petitions for review a year, and you would read them, and you would decide whether the case is important to Texas, um, and if it should be decided. And, and, if it, and if it should be, the court would grant Uh, the case and set it for argument and then write an opinion, just like the Court of Appeals uh, write opinions. And that's the that's the end of the line. That's the end of the line for a uh, matter that uh, involves state law. Uh, If uh, the court is deciding a question of federal uh, law, like a First Amendment uh, uh, case, for example, then the losing party can appeal that to the Supreme Court of the United States. But if it's a a question of like state tax law that has no constitutional implications, then yes, it's the last, the buck stops there. 
So in November, when we had our midterm elections, there were four state appeals courts, and they were actually Houston in Houston, Dallas, and Austin that changed from control by Republican judges to control by Democratic judges. I think 19 incumbent Republican appellate judges lost in that midterm election. So the numbers work out that I think Democrats now hold majorities on half of those 14 appeals courts that you were describing. What does that mean, in your opinion, for our judicial system? Is this a big change? Well, it's a it's a very fundamental change. Um, and uh, here's, here's what I think. Um, I think it does not matter whether a judge is Republican or Democrat. If they're doing their job, their job is to objectively decide uh, legal questions that are presented to them. And, um, and so they shouldn't, it shouldn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat, how you determine what a statute means, uh, for example, or whether there is evidence to support a jury verdict or not. Uh, now, again, that's a question of theory. I mean, there are a lot of people who would say, no, it does matter, uh, that Republicans are more business oriented, uh, more conservative in their approach to the law and Democrats are, are more liberal uh, and uh, look to expand uh, the various causes of action that the, the plaintiff is entitled to bring. Uh, my own view is um, that it, it should not matter if a judge is intelligent and works hard uh, and is fair and impartial, the result ought to be the same. The big difference, I think, uh, and, the, and the real problem with this uh, huge shift in judges is that we're losing uh, extraordinary justices on the courts of appeals that have uh, had great experience, that have that have been great public servants. Um, this sort of sweep happens, uh, and it happens both ways, uh, from Democrats to Republican, Republican to Democrat, depending on the political atmosphere of the time. But when it happens like this, when uh, many judges are removed from office, uh, just think about the experience that they have, the knowledge um, they have the background to be efficient in the resolution of these cases. And so when you have a transition like this, the, the, the cost is, is one of efficiency. It's going to take some time uh, for new judges to, you know, learn the system and to get in the groove of uh, deciding cases. And the other problem is what happens if next election the sweep goes the other way. Um, and, uh, you know, now Democrats are swept out of office and Republicans come in. Uh, again, you're going to lose uh, the experience and the stability of the law. And that's where I think we have a problem. And we should point out, as we're discussing this, you were elected as a Republican yes. justice. And so you, as you say, we elect judges by party in Texas. So you were elected as a Republican judge. You know, it's interesting to me, as you were talking, I'm thinking back to over the past couple of decades and when we've had Supreme Court nominees. And there's always such intense interest to read previous decisions and to try to get a measure of where they stand on certain issues, especially really hot button issues such as abortion, perhaps, or the death penalty. I think, you know, everybody thinks that even though in theory, a judge would be impartial and would follow, you know, the letter of the law, that there's always concern that their their own political leanings or thoughts are going to kind of seep into that. It's a valid it's a valid concern, and 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 I think what the voters um, need to do is, you know, evaluate that judge's background and history. Now, here's the here's the deal: uh, a judge, any judge, any person is going to have 
uh, political leanings and, and ideas about these hot button issues, right? I mean, that's just natural. We're human beings and we are influenced by uh, the, the politics of the day. But the judge's role is to set aside uh, those personal interests and uh, apply the law as objectively as he or she can. Uh, that's a difficult thing to do, but it is, it's possible and, it, and it's done every day. The best judges, I think, in the nation um, look not to the, the uh, character of the person that's before them or their political affiliation, um, and they don't get involved so much in the drama of the uh, cases that are presented, but they look at what is the precedent that they are supposed to apply. Uh, what does the statute say if it's a matter of legislative uh, intent? Uh, what does the contract mean if uh, the parties are in a, a contractual uh, situation? And and rule that way. That's the goal. That should be what we all strive for. So you were expressing concerns of a, a large new crew of judges coming in and concerns about efficiency and getting up and running. How would that then sort of trickle down and impact Texans? Why would that necessarily be a bad thing? I mean, it sounds like, sure, we want efficiency, but what in practice makes that worrisome to you? Well, let's just say that you're a business owner and you, uh, have, you've sold your business uh, to somebody, uh, but the deal has fallen through. And so now you don't have your business and it's all tied up in litigation. And that was the source of your income, of, of your providing for your family. Uh, and you're trying to get that resolved. And so you go to trial and you get a judgment and then you go to a, a appeal. And what if it takes um, not four months or five months, but two years uh, for that case to be decided? What do you do? How do you make a living? Or, or let's say that uh, you have a, a, a divorce proceeding and, and the question is, who gets custody of the children? Right. Uh, and that is uh, not decided uh, for three or four or five years. I mean, that uh, is that has real tremendous consequences on your life and your, you know, your business. And uh, you, you just think about that across the, the spectrum of, of cases that come before the courts. Uh, so what you want, uh, you know, the, the 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 axiom is justice delayed is justice denied. I believe that's true. You, know, you don't want delayed justice. You want uh, to be able to have an efficient system where people have know what their rights are in um, you know in a quick uh, a relatively quick period of time, and I think that's the danger with uh, any transition. And 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 I'm not talking partisan. Uh, it doesn't matter if the transition is from Republican to Democrat or Democrat to Republican. Uh, it's a question of you know getting the cases decided in a timely manner. Why do you think we saw such a swing in this particular election? in the judgeships? Well, I think um, a, a big reason was Beto O'Rourke. Um, Beto O'Rourke ran uh, for the Senate against Ted Cruz, and there was a lot of excitement uh, across the state about his candidacy, and it drove the vote out, especially on the Democratic side. And with straight-ticket voting, uh, there are many voters that vote uh, at the top of the ticket for Beto O'Rourke on the Democratic side and then uh, just vote for every Democrat down ballot. And so all the... Democrats that were, you know, in a contested judicial race um, were getting the advantage of this huge turnout. Uh, I remember when I was, um, uh, my last election was in 2008, and Barack Obama was at the top of the ticket. Uh, and there was a concern then uh, because of the 
tremendous draw that uh, his candidacy brought uh, to Democrats that, that I would not prevail uh, because I was uh, a Republican, running as a Republican. And I lost in uh, Houston. I lost Dallas. I lost my hometown of San Antonio. It hurt, it broke my heart a little bit. Um, so lost, you know, most of the urban uh, uh, counties, uh, but one, you know, convincingly uh, in in Texas because the Republican turnout at the time was so strong. They voted for McCain at the top of the ticket, and I was the beneficiary. So what do you think it will mean? I mean, this is an interesting thing to think about because straight party voting is going away and Texans won't be able to do that in subsequent elections. What do you think that will mean for these judicial elections, because as we discussed earlier, a lot of people vote straight party. They're not necessarily researching. They don't really know the candidates. Now, for some people, they're losing the only sort of parameter they had to make a choice. What do you think might happen? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, I think it's going to be incumbent on the candidates uh, to now get more information out about their qualifications uh, so that uh, the voter who walks into the ballot booth will have something, some measure of objective information to determine whether or not to vote for the person or not. Uh, so the the candidates and those that are interested in judicial campaigns are going to have to get a lot more information out. For the voters, uh, they're going to have to do a whole lot more homework, um, and it's going to be difficult for them. Uh, if they, as I said, in Harris County, if there are 70 judges on the ballot uh, they're going to have to find the uh, a source of information about each one of them to make an informed decision whether to vote for or against um, uh, the the candidate or the uh, the challenger, and that is not going to be easy to do. I, I want to say this: for those who believe that there there is um, real uh, distinction between Republicans and Democrats. Uh, the voters can still go down the ballot and vote for all the Republican candidates or all the Democratic candidates. It's just that they're going to have to take the time to do that. It seems like it also opens the door in general terms for just more money to flow into these elections. But if they're having to raise name recognition more and raise higher profiles in an election campaign, that always costs money. Yes, um, that's one of the problems of electing judges. Uh, it's the money and, and the voters. Uh, are skeptical when they hear that um, that uh, judges or judicial candidates are raising money from the lawyers uh, that are you know likely to appear before them. They think, well, the the system is rigged. Uh, this doesn't this isn't how it ought to work. That's a, a valid concern, but it's one that is endemic to our system of electing judges. Wallace Jefferson served on the Supreme Court of Texas from 2001 to 2013 and was named Chief Justice in 2004. Chief Justice Jefferson, thank you so much for your time and discussion today. Thank you for having me.